Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening once again that you've given us, Lord, so that we can learn more about you, about your will, and how to live this life that uh, we have, Lord God, that you have blessed us with. Father, thank you for another opportunity to again share the gospel to whomever you have brought here that needs to accept you as their Lord. And Father, I thank you for the, the privilege, Lord God, to be able to send your gentle rebuke or that pointed rebuke to your person, Lord God, that needs that lesson to finally be obedient to your word. And Father, I pray for your wisdom. I ask for your wisdom, Lord. Speak through me, Father, to your people once again. Open the eyes of their hearts, Lord God, so that they will know that it is you that's speaking to them. And I pray for humility for all of us, Lord God, that we will be ready to just listen to you and obey you. Father, override my preparations and be, Lord God, be the one to speak tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. We have our, the title is Bo The Box of Chocolates. Box of Chocolates. If you know that movie, you know that I got it from that movie. Life is a box, like a box of chocolates. Right? And I just added, life's unexpected twists and turns. We're going to be doing various verses from here. We are obviously still on our break from our second book of Corinthians. <laughs> a lot of you have been praying about us stopping that journey and your prayer has been answered for the past two weeks. So the box of chocolates, right? You know what I'm talking about. For the men, you, you should be giving that on, on Valentine's, right? And for the women who loves those, you don't know what flavor is in that chocolate, right? Sometimes it's the yucky one. Right? It's this cherry. I don't like that cherry. It's like reminds me of that cough syrup. But ugh, you know, put that back there. <laughs> you know, life is a, a box of surprises. Correct? Sometimes it's to bless us. Sometimes to it's to challenge us. And whether you're a believer or not, right? Life doesn't life doesn't care who you are or what's in your bank or what's in your plans, right? It happens. Time runs. Do we agree? They said time runs. Time is running because time is never walking. Correct? Time is always running. Right? Time is, 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 is moving even if we feel like it or not. Our life moves on whether we feel like it or not. Our life moves on whether we're obedient or not. Life happens in front of us whether we like it or not. So tonight we're going to be we're going to be discussing uh, 3 hours won't be enough for me to tell you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my mom's like, "Oh my gosh. <laughs> An hour probably won't be enough, right, to explain all the unexpected twists and turns." So we're going to I'm going to try my best to tackle a few points about life, about its surprises. So let's start with this verse. In Psalm 90 verse 12, it reads Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us because we don't know, correct? You know what? We need to learn things. 
Do we agree? Actually, we're learning things whether we like it or not. As you were growing up in your neighborhood with your family, with your parents, you're learning from them. Whether it's good or bad, you're learning, you're adopting to your environment. You're, you're from your family, the traditions, the, 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 the perks or the pet peeves of your parents, you probably have it too. Because you've learned it from them, right? You have a certain code about friendship because you've learned it from your friends in the Philippines, right? Or in your old neighborhood. We all learn. That's why this, the psalmist says, teach us. Who is he talking to? He's talking to God to teach us. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If we will just sincerely have God teach us to be conscious on how to spend our time, our life, our life that was a gift from Him. Do we agree? Because you know what? If you can also have the world teach you. You can also have the world teach you. And when you let the world teach you on how to spend your life, you will see and you will find out what King Solomon is talking about here. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Please turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. It is in the Old Testament. You're welcome. <laughs> turn to first page, the first chapter. I'm using the version New King James on this one. As it says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. In the New International Version, it says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And because the meaning, the original language of vanity is hebel. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, well. From, it means emptiness or vanity, figuratively something transitory or an unsatisfactory, often used as an adverb altogether, vain and vanity. Vanity is like vapor or breath, basically meaningless. Vanity, vanity, everything is meaningless. If you look at your Bible in Ecclesiastes 1, you will see there that Solomon, King Solomon, one of the most, if not the most successful king economically for Israel. Did you know that it's so hard for us to um, quantify his, his riches? Because he was really successful business-wise. Um, I've had some information here about that. He makes a billion dollars. Somebody delivers those me precious metals to him, and he makes a billion dollars yearly from people sending him those precious metals. So it's safe to assume that his net worth is above billion dollars. Our money now. So I know that most of us, we, li we like to listen to people who are successful, right? We barely or we rarely or we never listen to somebody who's poor, right? You're like, what, what am I going to learn from you? Yeah, you're, you're, you, we're not saying that. We never say that. Do we agree? Because it's not the right thing to say. But we're all thinking it. Nobody takes an advice from a poor person. The Bible even says so. Says so. If you're poor, your friends will go away. They'll hide from you because what? They know you're going to borrow money. 
<laughs> right? Oh man, it's him. Just get the phone call, you're like, ooh, drop that call. Right? But for us, those who are successful, financially successful, we're good to listen. We always give them a listening ear. Like, oh, what, is he, that, what does he have to say? Black shirt or gray shirt? For success, plain shirt or with a stripe? Right? We love to listen to them. You know, there's a big My friends, at least on Facebook, my friends on Facebook, there's a big clamor about the late Steve Jobs' uh, last words. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, people are talking about it. Let me just, um, I'm going to read it to you real fast, okay? So give me, um, okay, supposedly this is Steve Jobs' last words. I know I got your attention, right? I reached the pin pinnacle of success in the business world. In others, in others' eyes, my life is an ep epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sick bed and recalling my whole life, I realize that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. You can employ someone to drive your car for you, you make money for you, but you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost, life. When a person goes into the operating room, he will realize that there is one book that he has yet to finish reading. This is him, okay, he says, Book of Healthy Life. Whichever stage in life we are at right now, with time we, we will face the day when the curtain comes down. Treasure, love for your family, love for your spouse, love for your friends. Treat yourself well. Cherish others. As we grow older and hence wiser, we slowly realize that wearing a $300 or a $30 watch, they both tell at the same time. Whether we drive a $150,000 car or a $30,000 car, the road and distance is the same, and we get to the same destination. And then he goes on and on about life, on how he thinks life is. And everybody, most of my friends were like, oh my gosh. Words from a wise man, right? Because, you know, Apple, they said, right, it's the second greatest Apple that the humankind has ever seen, right? <laughs> the first one was with, with Eve. <laughs> the second one is the one that you have, your Apple iPhone, right? So everybody wants this. They were so intrigued and they're so captivated by this. But let me tell you, those are actually not his last words. You know, the first, there was a, Two versions, if you Google this, there's two versions of this letter that supposedly was from Steve Jobs, but it's really not. Both of them are not from him. Do you know his last words? This is from his sister who saw him in his deathbed. Please listen so that you won't miss it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Those are his final words. Those are the final words from Steve Jobs. But everybody romanticizes Steve Jobs as somebody who's successful, all-knowing, an innovator. I'm not going to deny that. He is. But so everybody had to manifest. Somebody thought about giving this message that he wanted to relay, but he couldn't. He knows nobody will listen to him. So he, has, he had to use somebody else's name, somebody that people will listen to, Steve Jobs. 
you know, if I put my name there, nobody would share it. Who cares? What does he know? I know him from the past. He still owes me money. <laughs> what does he know about a $150,000 car? He never had it, right? But then when you look back here, I told you who King Solomon is. The most successful. God gave him the wisdom to lead the Israel uh, people at a very young age. He had all the wisdom in the world. He wrote all the books. He wrote many books, not all the books, but he wrote many books. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He had so many uh, uh, accomplishments in his lifetime where people all over the world would travel just to hear him speak just so they can pick his brain, right? So when we're talking about life is a, like a box of chocolate, somebody who thought about, okay, I'll take everything that life has to offer. That's Solomon. Men, listen to this. Solomon is crazier than we think he is. 700 wives. <laughs> crazy, right? Crazy, yeah. <laughs> the guys that are not married, they're like, what are you talking about? That's awesome. He has 700. But if you already have a wife, you have 700 wives. <laughs> He's a brave man, right? And then 300 concubines. 700 women, 700 uh, wives, 300 concubines, 1,000 women. So if you, if you men, if you are sitting there and you're thinking, you know, my life is so boring because I only have one wife. I think I'm done with her. I think it's time for a new one. Think about these words, vanity of vanities, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And you know, that's what caused Solomon to, to not live a long life. Because he ended up marrying women that he was not supposed to marry. He married a lot of those women for political reasons. Just to continue to have the peace of Israel in that country. Because that's how they used to do it. I think that's still how they do it now. <laughs> so, right? And if you are about, oh, I want to accomplish something that the world will never forget. Something that will just make my my legacy forever. Solomon did a lot of that. But still, he said, meaningless, he said. A chasing after the wind. He has a lot of those. As you read this book of Ecclesiastes, and I suggest if you haven't, read it. Because there's many things here that the world tells us to accomplish, that Solomon accomplished, but yet he said, meaningless. Meaningless. He had everything. But yet he still said that. So if you were, if you are trying to spend your life to accumulate things that the world tells you to accumulate, to achieve things that things that the world is trying to tell you to achieve, I have to tell you that this is going to be your final words. Hopefully. If you are going to submit to the truth, some obviously won't. It will still be defiant. It will still be proud. So this is word, a word from someone who has done it all. And again, the thing that I read you earlier wasn't from Steve Jobs. It was from somebody who wanted to give that message out that there are more important things in life other than things that we can buy and accomplish. But he had to use someone else's word, name 
so that he will be heard. So hopefully tonight you are hearing this because this right here is for somebody who did everything that he thought the world, any, everything that he thought the world is asking for him to do and achieve and get, but still he didn't find meaning behind it. You know, it is hard to quantify Solomon's riches, but he is considered one, if not the most successful king in Israel. But, you know, David is the, the, the greatest one that they, they celebrate. Um, his net worth is one point, he gets $1.1 billion of gold each year. And then he says here, it is safe to say that the king was certainly rich and it likely one of the top 10 wealthiest humans ever, given the amount and variety of God, of the goods that came to him on a regular basis. Listen to this, he owned 12,000 horses, 1,400 chariots. I gave you the, the, the number of the women that he had, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Although Solomon was young, he became known for his wisdom. So I, 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 I ask you that you look at this as you hear it. This is from a wise man that has done it all, but says it's meaningless. So if he has done it, why do we still continue? Especially us believers. Believers, we're told, but if you read the entire summary of it, Solomon's not saying that those are all evil things. Solomon's not saying to not work. He's not saying that. He's not saying to not get married. He's not saying to not do the things that you think you can do. But what he's saying is if you don't have God, if you don't put God with that accomplishment, with your marriage or above your marriage, above your accomplishments, above your relationships, it will be meaningless. If you put all these things ahead of those things, ahead of God, it will become meaningless. Do you know why? Because vanity is also idolatry. They have moved me, God speaking, to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. See this? Our God is a jealous God. And anything, anything that we make Again, anything that we make above him, we put above him in our relationship with him is an idol. And see here, that's why vanity sometimes is used as an idol uh, meaning. So vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with the foolish nation. If you choose, believer, if you continue, if you choose to continue to spend your life, your God-given gift of life, to accumulate things or make other people more important or other relationship more important than your relationship with God, He will let you fall into that bottomless pit. And you will experience heartaches that will that nothing, nothing can 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 take away. It will be so painful. Have you been out of fellowship with God before? If, if you're saying no, then you just, you just fell out of it today, just now. Because we all do. Sometimes we, we, we're so consumed of our selfishness, right, that we just want, if we want it, who cares? Who cares if I have bills? I want to buy this. It looks good. 
I'm going to buy it. Right? This person, I've been, I've been admiring her. I've been admiring him. I know he or she is married, but who cares? I feel happy thinking about him or her. And then we just do it. We, we do it, right? We do a certain thing that we know we're not supposed to do. We get into a relationship we're not supposed to get into. We do certain things that we're not supposed to do. And then we say, Lord, help me. And then we ask for a miracle. Lord, I need a miracle right now. Right? We made someone more important. We made something more important than we say, Lord, help me. You know, it's good that you're asking for his help. But at the same time, you know, if he really loves you, right? If he really loves you, he'll let you go through the consequences of your decision. Because that's the principle of life, whether you're a believer or not. You do something not smart, you suffer the consequences, right? Being responsible with money doesn't only fall to believers. It also falls to unbelievers. You, because you're a believer, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful in everything that you do, especially if you're lazy. Do we agree? We're going to be, and then we put God, we use God as an excuse, right? Oh, you know, I couldn't do this because I'm always at church. You know, I'm broke because I'm always giving to church. There's always a need at church. So my budget's always this, or I don't have a budget. And I'm always in trouble financially because, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm God's person. I should be generous. No, that's not it. God gives us the wisdom if we ask for it. Amen? God gives us the wisdom if we ask for it. And then the thing is, most of the time we don't ask because we ask for the wrong reasons. We just say, oh, I'll give this because God will give me. I've seen this in the, in the devotion that if I give, God will give a hundredfold. So you give, you give unre you know, irresponsibly. I mean, you give irresponsibly and you give that excuse to why you don't have any more money. You say, because the church asked for my money. But then what we're not talking about is the $2,000 TV, your six TV at the house, right? Because you need six TVs, right? We're not talking about the, the rims that you bought for your car. We're talking about the money that you gave to church, correct? We're not talking about your expensive purse. We're talking about the money that you gave to church. Well, because they gave I gave. There's a building fund at church. There's a production team at church. And there's youth fund. There's everything. And there's this, I have to give to the podcast that I listen to. Right? We, we divert. We divert the attention to something good that we're doing, but we're forgetting that there's vanity in our life. There's vanity in our life that we're, we're just making an idol of. Whether it's, it's a material thing, and it could be, I know I've said this many times, it could be a relationship with, with a person. It could be our children. It could be our spouse. And God will just let you. Fine. You want to make that more important than your relationship with me? Fine. I will show you how much this person will fail you. Right? Do we agree? For, all, for, for us who's been in a, in a relationship or is in a relationship, do we always do the right thing to our, our spouse? our children do they always do the right thing to us no 
Imagine the failure if that's your world. Imagine the heartbreak that you go through if that's your only world. The approval of your wife. And then your wife finally says, Psst, I found somebody better than you. <laughs> and then you're like, what do you mean? Right? Imagine the heartbreak. Imagine the heartbreak when your children finally says, you know what, Dad? I don't need you. And you're like, what do you mean? You don't need me. All right? we, we crumble because we made someone else and something else more important. And for Solomon, he saw it. He saw it. He made other things more important than God. And he did it at his best. He did it with all the money that he had. He did it with all the influence that he had. He did it with all the wisdom that he had. But yet he found it meaningless. Because apart from God, anything that we do, anyone that we encounter, anything that we can, anyone that can love us and love in return is going to be meaningless without God. So life is a box of chocolate. And then they fail you. It looks sweet. When you bite it and there's vinegar in it. It's vinegar. Filipino made that chocolate. And you're like, what in the world? Who puts vinegar in chocolate? Right? I'd probably do that if I can. Because I love vinegar. Next part. This is what Jesus said. This is the first part of John 16, 33. Please turn your Bibles to John 16, 33. So you'll see the second part of this verse. I, I'm only showing the first part. I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Imagine this. Jesus already said it. But yet we always act as if it's a surprise. I'm not saying that we shouldn't hurt because it hurts. When things happen in our lives, they hurt, right? Nobody likes to go through trials. I sure don't. I don't like tests. When I was going to school, I didn't like them. When it's test week, I'm like, man, I'm hoping I get sick. That's like my, my point, so I'll be excused because I didn't study. I know I'm not ready. That's the only reason why you, don't you won't like uh, a test, right? If you're not prepared. Do we agree? Because if you studied, and there were times that I did study, I couldn't wait for it. I'm like, come on, give it to me before I forget it. Come on, <laughs> give it to me. My mom fed me some peanut butter. <laughs> I should be return, retaining all these things, right? The only reason why we don't want it is because we're not ready. But again, in life, though, who wants trouble, right? Nobody. Nobody likes trouble. But then Jesus told us, I have, told you that the, I have told you these things. This is on his way to the cru uh, crucifixion when he sacrificed himself for your sins and mine to pay for our sins against them, against God, against him. Not his sins, ours. So he, this is on his way there. He was telling the disciples what they were going to go through. And he told them that you will have trouble. But look, he said, in me you may have peace. So he tells us that we will have trouble, but he tells us that we should, if we look, if we keep our eyes on him, if we, are, we stay with him, we will have peace. 
But believers, sadly, we are always apart from Jesus. We become a part of the world. We become part of the world. We, don't, we are in the world. There's no way that we can help that until we go to heaven. We're always going to be here until we pass. But the problem is we become part of it, not just existing in it. We should be just transients here. But what, we, what happens to us is we forget who Jesus is. We forget. We say to know Christ, we bec to become like Him, to make Him known. In this church, we say that, right? As a believer, you call yourself a Christian, little Christ. But then you live like what? Like Lucy. <laughs> like not, not Tita Lucy, but Lucy. <laughs> you know, like Lucy. You, you live like Him. Monday to Saturday. Some people are still trying to figure out who Lucy is. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. The next part of this says, right, but behold, I have overcome the world. But behold, I have overcome the world. Because Jesus has overcome the consequences of our sins. That if we just remain in him, then if we keep our minds and our hearts towards Him, and we make our lives for Him and about Him, and that we serve our family thinking that we're serving Him, because in everything that we do, if we do it for God, right? It's not going to be easier. It'll be harder. But then if God is there, God will bless it. Do we agree? Amen. It's just the truth. Jesus said a lot of things before He, before he went to the cross. And this is one of them. He warned us ahead of time that in this world we will have trouble. But sometimes us believers, we want to argue with Jesus. We want to argue with Jesus. We want a life that's scot-free. You know, there's no problem, no thorns whatsoever. We want something that's just going to be perfect. I'm with you. But the thing is, that's not it. That's not how it's going to be. But let's not miss the guarantee of Jesus here. That he has overcome the world. That he said that in him we will have peace. Let's not miss that. Correct? Because trouble will come. But just go to Jesus. Stay in Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Because trouble will come. Right? It's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. But you know what? The ultimate war has been won by our Lord. And we should see that, how He sees it too. Because this life is temporary. Correct? We're only suffering here. We're, there's no more suffering after this. Someone this week asked me, where is Jesus in my trouble? That's what he said. Where is Jesus in my trouble? I asked him back, where was He before you got in trouble? Right? Well, is, is, isn't this person asking the wrong question? Where is Jesus in my trouble? He said, because he's in trouble. But my question was, where was he before you got in there? If you're a believer, supposedly, supposedly you're walking hand in hand with Jesus. Amen? But then you let go because you wanted yourself to be the Lord of your life once again. Then you got in trouble. You know, you have a bunch of bad decisions 
accumulation of your bad decisions, the consequences now followed. But then you say in rebellion or in resentment, where is Jesus in my trouble? You're asking the wrong question. But you know what? If you are a believer, he's just waiting for you to repent from your sins. He's waiting for you to humble yourself and ask for his help. He is waiting constantly, patiently waiting for us to turn our lives around, to walk hand in hand with him again. He is waiting for us. For you who have not surrendered your life to Christ, your question should be, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? This Jesus is the one that just gave his life for you even before you wanted it. He died for you even before you knew about it. Because he wanted to pay your ultimate bill. If you're worried about your bills, there was a bigger bill that needed to be paid that you and I can't pay for. And that's, a, that's the penalty of sin. That's eternal death that Jesus paid for. You know, they said love is blind, right? Do you agree? The married people are saying, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> somebody wrote a, a, a funny comment to somebody who got married that we know here at church. He said, love is blind and marriage opens your eyes. <laughs> you know, but what's worse? I'm not going to argue with that. Love can be blind at times. Because you're like thinking, what is he doing with me? <laughs> but, but sin is worse. Sin is worse. Sin makes you blind of God's will in your lives. Sin makes you numb of God's word to you to recover. Sin cripples you and paralyzes you and makes you useless. That you cannot do anything for God because you're convicted. You're, like, you're guilty. You're like, oh gosh, dude. I can't serve because I'm a sinner. That's the enemy's goal to us believers because we can't lose our salvation. But his goal is to make us as ineffective or ineffective as much as he can. To paralyze us. And that's what sin does. That's where God's love comes in. God's love is not blind. God sees the dirtiness and the filthiness of all of us. But yet despite that, he runs to us just like the father and the prodigal son. He runs to the son and then he embraces us, gives us that ring, covers up with that robe. That's who our God is. That's how his love is. The question is, why do you always want that, that moment to where you're just always the prodigal? Our lives should be spent for him. Because our lives are, our life is just like a vapor, right? It's here now, it's gone later, right? Don't you want to hear, welcome, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Don't you want to hear those words from God? Some of you are probably thinking, no, I want to see the, the streets paved with gold. Who cares about the street, streets paved with gold, right? I don't think you're going to be looking down anyway. You know, the best thing about heaven is that you and I will have no more struggle with sin. Do you realize that? We'll have our perfect body. There's no more struggle. That's, what I, that's why I don't like when there's still struggle. 
You know, when you're, when you're like thinking that you want to achieve more than what you have, to accumulate more, the pressure of life, the heartaches of life, you know, I'm so done and over with that. And I can't wait for heaven, really. But the most important thing for me in heaven is, other than being with our Lord, is that I don't struggle. I won't have any more struggle with sin. And that's, that's our worry here right now. That's our concern here. But as we, as we look at these words, that in this life, Jesus guaranteed it. In this life, you will have trouble. But behold, I, Jesus, have overcome the world. So what trouble are you in tonight? Whatever it is, let me tell you, that's nothing compared to the power of God. If you will let him. If you will be in him and you will let him run your life finally. If you will, I know you accepted him as your Lord if you're a believer. But if you will finally let him be the Lord of your life. Not just Lord so you can get out of hell. But Lord of your life. Let him lead you. A slave cannot do anything until the Lord tells him. His Lord tells him. The owner, basically. Right? They don't even eat until they're told to eat. They can't sleep until they're told to sleep. They can't wear black. They're told to wear whatever they're told to wear. But with us, believers, we have the free will. We have the free will to obey Him or not. The unbelievers, they have the free will to accept Jesus or not. Because everything that they're doing, everything that they're doing is, is, is useless. They think they're earning heaven, but they're not. All right. I'm on my 30-minute mark. Let's move on with this. Um, this is when trouble comes, we flex our spiritual muscles. This is in James. It reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any, many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of our testing, of our trials. It's the purpose of it. Because you can't grow your physical, physically we can't grow our muscles without straining it. Right? Without lifting weights, our muscles will not grow if we don't tear that tissue and have scar tissues grow. And it, don't, it won't tear if we don't lift heavy, it'll plateau if we, don't, if we stay at a certain weight. Physically, those are all true, and we all agree to it, right? But spiritually, sometimes we argue with that. Lord, it's okay that I, you don't send me trouble. It's okay that I don't mature in the faith. I'm okay just sitting there, listening. I'm okay to be not part of the war, Lord. Like physically, can I just, you know, be away from that. We're not saying that. You know, we don't pray that, but you know what? Our hearts sometimes point to that. We want to be uninvolved as much as we can. Right? We want to be uninvolved as much as we can because we don't want to face trials, because we don't want to mature. But this is the purpose of the trials that we go through. But then the, the word there, consider it pure joy. 
You know, joy and happiness are two different things, correct? Let me just show you guys what the difference is. Joy and happiness are wonderful feelings to experience, but are very different. Joy is more consistent and is cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and is based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. This is from um, psychiatrist.com. So I intentionally took their I intentionally took their point of view because for this point, if the world sees the difference, why is the church seeing it differently? Joy, consider it pure joy, that you face many trials. It's not happy. We don't go through happiness when we're going through trials. Or else you, I'll call you crazy. <laughs> right? You're taking something to make you feel happy while you're going through something difficult. But this is to mature us, to strengthen our faith, so that we will surrender more and more to God. So that we, hopefully, when you're going through trials, hopefully you're praying, right? When you're going through testing, hopefully you're reading your word. When you're going through testing, hopefully you're down on your knees, finally surrendering to God. Finally remembering who God is in your life. Hopefully that's what happens to you. Some, I get it, some still, they fall farther. They run away from the church. They're like, see, this is what I get. For following God. Trials at home. I want to serve God now that I want to serve Him. Sunday happens, my wife and I fight. Everybody's suited up for church. And then her and I start arguing. Just when I want to serve God. You know, this is why I don't want to serve God. Those are my thoughts. Long time ago. <laughs> like five days ago. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, it happens, right? When you serve, you get attacked. Because the enemy's now seeing you like, oh, you're going to move for him? Okay, go get him. Let's see how, how far his or her faith goes. Just like with Job, we read it earlier. Because the enemy doesn't want us to be happy. The enemy is the accuser of the brother. He or she is like that because you have blessed him tremendously. Try to give him trouble. See if he serves you. Oh, because he's healthy. Give him sickness. See if he serves you. Right? That's the, that's the job of, the, of Satan, to, re, to, to steal our joy. Right? Last Saturday, um, we were celebrating my mom's 70th birthday. Not this Saturday, but the, the Saturday before. So we were trying to honor my mom. I was trying to also be happy at that time. But two things happened. Two things happened that just was stealing my peace and my happiness. Now with my mom and I, it's with outside forces, you know, outside. And it's just, I could recognize it, that it's the enemy not wanting it. Destroying the moment. I'm pretty sure you've gone through that. I'm pretty sure one time in your Christian life, you've experienced the attack of the enemy while things were going so well, and all of a sudden, things were crumbling down right in front of you. After you've made a decision that you're going to follow God, God no matter what. And then that no matter what was tested. 
But see, this is how we mature. This is how you mature. This is how we complete ourselves. For what? To be a great Christian? No. So that we can serve God the way He wants us to serve Him. So that we worship Him the way He wants us to worship Him. So that we become a great testimony for His glory, not ours. And now here are some parables that I want us to see. This is in Luke 12, 16, 21. Again, we're still talking about our lives with, with different turns, surprises, and circumstances that we don't like. That comes as a, a big disappointment. And he told them, Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He signed, he was going to cash in on his retirement, right? He'll be retired. He's cashing in, right? Retired underscore at underscore 40. That's his password. <laughs> Retire at 40, right? So he's, he's doing everything. He, he planned everything well. He worked hard. He had a plan. And it, 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 be, it came to fruition. But if you've read this story before, you know how this ends. Do, oh, wait. I didn't have the, the, the last part of that. Did I mix it? It's okay. We know that Jesus, when God said to this man how this parable ended is when he said, you fool, tonight I will demand your life from you. Right? That's what he said. Turn your Bibles there so you'll see it. Go to Luke 12, 16 to 21. Is it here? No. So verse 20, But God say, said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get you what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. What can we do when our time is up? Nothing. Not a darn thing. Can you pay for your life? To, you know, I need 10, 10 more years. I'll give you a million dollars, doctor. You call everybody. You go to the most expensive doctor or the most expensive hospital. You're the billionaire like Steve Jobs. Can you even buy yourself another second? Answer is no. There's no positive thinking. There's no invention that will come to give you another hour there's no pill when God says it's time for us it's time the question then should be for the believer am I living my life for the Lord for the unbeliever where am I going after this where am I going after this 
And if you're an atheist, you better be, you better hope that you're right. <laughs> right? That, those are your thoughts. As an atheist and you're about to go, your thoughts will be like, man, I sure hope I'm good. I'm right. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you will meet your maker and the question will be, what have you done with my son? Believers, we have life right now. If you have been living your life, not for his glory, but for us, for our selfish desires alone, today and tomorrow is a new day. We can start now. Now is the start of that. I know there is a new, you know what? I've just discovered this. There's a new uh, way a believer procrastinates. There's a new line. As a pastor, you learn new things. You, you get the trend, you know. Before they say, oh, pastor, let me pray about it. That's their way of procrastinating, telling you basically, I'm not ready yet, you know. So let me pray about it and then just wait. There's a new way. There's a new line. Listen, in God's time. Wow. In God's time. Pastor, in God's time. Wow. Golly. Whoa, yeah. It's, you start using that. Yeah. My goodness, in God's time. I get it. I get it. There's a lot of our faith that's written here that only God knows. But it's not about your obedience. It has nothing to do about your obedience. Your obedience is demanded now. No, in God's time, no. <laughs> you are right, in God's time. That's a new way. Oh, I'm just like, wow, that's new. That's a new way to tackle. That's a new thing to tackle now. Let's look at that. Treasures in heaven, do not store up for yourselves. Treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's so clear. I don't even know if I need to say anything about it. But sometimes we do, right? We make this life and everything about this life more important to us. For most of us, we, especially for those of us who've experienced the gambling part, right? We, we keep saying this. I have an uncle who kept saying this. Up to now, he's saying it to me. <laughs> he's like about 70, 73. He said, when I win the big one, he says, when I win, no, I said my uncle. When I win, our, my life will change, and you're in it. <laughs> I've heard that since 1993 when I first met him here. But up to now, he's still trying to win and change his life. Up to now. And you know, I've heard, and you've probably heard, of lottery winners that have gotten all the millions, and they thought their lives were going to change, right? They said, this money, a family in, in, in the Midwest said, this money will not change our family. You know what? What happened? A year later, the family of three stopped talking. They were suing each other. One was chasing women. One was chasing fast cars. And the parents got divorced. Because now they got all the money in the world, right? Money makes everything better, right? 
They didn't hear about Notorious B.I.G.'s words, more money, more problems, right? That's what they said, right? The love of money is the root of all evil. It's not about the money, guys. There's believers that are billionaires and millionaires that are tremendously financially blessed, but they don't have those. Their heart is not on that material thing. They are the ones that help store things with their financials. They give it for God's work because they could care less about the money. The money just came because they care about their relationship with God first and foremost. But So it's not about the money. It's about the person. It's about the heart. The behavior, our behavior, if you have a behavioral problem, it's because you have a heart problem. Your heart is entangled with money, period, if you have money problems. If you have self-control problems, because you, your heart, you're selfish, right? Those other things, it's not about the success. It's not about the, the money. It's about your heart, because your heart was just consumed with that thing. Because there are a lot of evil people that loves money that don't have money. Do we agree? Oh, yeah. It's not about having the money that's evil. It's about the love of money. That's what the Bible says. If you have a million dollars, you're evil. No. It says the love of money. There are a lot of people that love money that don't have it. But they love it. They named their son money. Money Mayweather, right? No, we should focus, live our lives. I know our lives is full of turns, twists and turns. But then... We also know that our life can just come and go, correct? We also know that. We also know that God can take us anytime. So what do we do with that? We have to spend our lives for Him. We have to spend our lives for Him. Now, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, there's, you know, He doesn't say that you have to enjoy the fruit of your labor. You have to enjoy it. That's, that's God's gift. You have to enjoy your spouse, the wife that has been given you. He who has given a wife is blessed, the Bible says, right? And some people are arguing there's also a verse, Pastor Joe, that it's better to live in the desert. <laughs> but it's, it's a blessing. Everything that we have is from God. And we are to enjoy it, but it shouldn't come first before our relationship with God. And then if we live our lives for God... We try to not lose our focus, right? The question I put here is, where is your focus? In Colossians, if then you were raised with Christ. This is for the believers. You were raised with Him. You no longer live. You were raised, and now you live. The, the life that lives in you is Christ. Seek those things which are above. Heavenly things. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. I don't know what else to say. The God changes, God changes our minds, right? We, we change, God changes our heart. It comes into our heart, and then we have to change our minds. It's up to us. It's up to us to fill our minds from the trash of the world and fill it with this. You fill it with this. You need to study the word. 
How much Bible reading do you do in a day? Not praying, okay? Don't count that. Don't count that, uh, the, the, the verses on, on plate numbers. That doesn't count. How much Bible verse or how much Bible reading do you do? How much study do you do? Not just the t-shirts, not the Bible verses on your shirts. That doesn't count. It helps, but it doesn't count. We need to study. We need to study the Word. We need to be seriously studying the Word. Because there's so many false doctrines out there that we need to be able to identify. The only way we can identify it is if we know our Word. So we need to set our minds, and we need to set our hearts on things above. We need to focus. Set it is like placing it, setting, right? Is the table set for dinner? Is your mind set for Christ? Have you placed your heart for things above? Time is running, guys. June's almost over. Right? You should be scratching your head right now. I know. It's almost over. Half of the year is done. The question is, how have you spent that half of the year for the Lord? I know some of you have been spending your life for the Lord. And praise God for you. I, praise, I pray that you continue to do so. Because you are greatly needed. Right? Because the, the church started with the, ele the, the 11 disciples and then the replacement of the guy who didn't pay. What? You know, in the Philippines it says, God knows who does not pay. Jeannie, <laughs> <laughs> did you get it? Jeannie <laughs> <Okay. laughs> looked up like, what? <laughs> it started with the 12. Right? It started with them to change the world. So here, if Christ is your focus, we need to live your life for Him. And here, for you died. For you died. We died. Our old selves died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Right? You died. And then now what? Now what? Our new lives is what? Here. It's here. Therefore... So if, you, if your old self was gone, the new is here. Now this is how you should be living. Put to death. Put to death is like end it. End it. Put to death. Done and over with. Your members, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. Uncleanliness. Passion. Evil desire. Covetousness. Which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. If you are not the son of God, if you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a son of disobedience. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Believers, we're a new creation. Stop living your life as if you weren't, you're not. If you're going to tell me, well, pastor, I'm not perfect. You're just saying that you're more powerful than the Holy Spirit. I love the saying that uh, uh, Brother Gab gave me uh, this week. He said, this is a house of sinners, not a museum of saints. I agree. It is. It is a house of sinners, not a museum of saints, but sinners that's been saved by grace, that is now called a saint. 
Because now we carry Christ's name in us. The only reason why we're still not living the life that God has given us to live is because we still choose not to. Okay? Here. In God's time. I like I know it's too small, right? Let me just... In God's time. So when people tell me, well, you know, Pastor Joe, in God's time. And I'll obey in God's time. Okay. Let's look at this. Let's look at what the Bible says about that. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these. Now. Not later. Not in God's time. God's time is now for, for us to obey. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. See? We are to put these away. You know what? These are to put off, meaning it's like it happens. So we constantly have to put it off. Because people just have to say the wrong thing and your anger will come out, right? Some are horns will come up. Wrath. Right? So you have to, when it happens, when you feel it, remove it. Take it off. The other ones earlier, you put to death. Those are, you're done and over with those. This will happen, but you, as it happens, you remove it. And then the next one. 2 Corinthians 6 to 4, he says, In the time of my favor, I have heard you. And in the day of salva salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor now is the day of salvation. Now this, for you who's sitting here right now, that you have not surrendered your life to Christ. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, and you're going to tell me, you're thinking, well, in God's time, no, now. Now, because who told you you have tomorrow? Who told you you have tomorrow? Well, I just went to my, see my doctor. Good. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah, do you put gas in your car? Yeah. Have you seen a video where the guy was just taking, putting gas in his tank and it blew up because of his cell phone? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I don't have a car. Well, you have you seen the people that got ran over by cars? <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep going? There's, there's answers to everything, right? But the one thing is, you cannot tell me that you have tomorrow. You cannot tell me that you're guaranteed tomorrow, even with the younger people. So if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, and you're going to procrastinate and tell me in God's time, the time, God's time is now. If God's time for salvation is now, why is God's time for obedience later, believer? Oh, because we're saved already. We're, you know, Pastor, I'm saved now. So I can take my time. No, obedience is now, not later. Now. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord, we all know this. I'm not telling you anything new, but I just want to put it out there. So I won't be accountable at the day of judgment. <laughs> Lord, I told them, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and new is here. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified 
with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are everything. Everything for us believers, everything that we already know. But the thing is, what you and I can never understand if we're disobeying is why we want to continue to live a disobedient life. Actually, we're lying to ourselves because we know why. We enjoy it way too much. And we could care less that we're being, you know, we're not being used for God's kingdom. We're being a stumbling block towards other people. We've lost compassion and we lost our focus and we lost our love because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In closing, a deep personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ will transform every area of our lives. If you do not believe that, I don't know what, what is. I don't know what you're believing. Because I know, for me, that every area of my life has changed, was transformed, because of my relationship with Jesus. God changes man. He changes us. He can change us. Are you struggling with gambling? And you can't do it? Christ can do it. If you're a believer, Christ is in you, and He can do it. Let Him do it. If you don't have Christ, you don't have. If you haven't accepted Christ, you don't have it. You don't have the self-control that you need. Because you know for many years you've failed over and over and over again. You need help, and you need Jesus in your heart. Because you need Jesus to direct your life. Just like us, for the many believers here that have surrendered from that, that have surrendered that vice many years ago or many months ago. Christ is the one. He's the one who dominates our thoughts. At least he should be the one to dominate our thoughts. How will he dominate our thoughts if we don't spend time in the Word? And we watch a lot of movies and shows that the world puts out. And we get influenced by these things. And then we say, I can't do it, Pastor. Of course, you can't. You have to let Christ do it. But you need to feed the Holy Spirit. You need to empower yourself. You need to equip yourselves. God changes the man by changing the mind. And how does that happen? By doing what you're doing right now. We are studying. You are listening. You're looking. You're searching. You're here. You're considering the glory of Christ. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. To behold Him, to behold Christ, is to become like Him. To claim Christ, you're a Christian, you need to become like Him. As Christ dominates your thoughts, He changes you from one degree of glory to another until 
you are ready to live with him. That's the thing. Is we're not ready to live with him. Some of us, we've been a believer for many years and we're still not ready to live with him. We just like him as our savior. We don't want him as our Lord. Heaven is the land of sinless minds. Not exciting. Virus-free thinking. Absolute trust. No fear or anger. Shame and second-guessing are practices of our prior life. Heaven will be wonderful. Not because of the streets of gold, but because, because our thoughts are pure. So what are you waiting on? Apply God's antivirus. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Give him your best thoughts and see if he doesn't change your mind. Amen? Let's give him our minds, our hearts, our lives. Amen? Let's give him our all. Not later. You don't need to pray about it anymore. You don't have to wait for God's time because God's time is now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message tonight, Lord God, and I thank you for your people who are here tonight. I pray, Father, that you bless them, Lord, with wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you bless them with discernment. I pray, Father, that you bless the work of their hands, Lord God. I pray, Father, as they continue to desire you, to become like you, and to delight in you, in your word, and in your will, Lord God, I, will, I pray that you will give them the desires of their heart. Father, I pray for the soul, Lord God, that the souls that you brought here tonight that have not surrendered your life, their lives to you, I pray that this will be the evening that they will give their lives to you, accept you as their Lord. And I pray for my brother and sister who are still struggling with their obedience, Lord God. I pray, Father, that the truth that was spoken tonight, Father, will resonate in their minds and in their hearts and will just completely convict them and move them into obedience, Lord. Father, I pray for guidance, Lord God, for all of us and protection for all of us. Help us, Lord, be glorifying to you. Let our lives be a sign of glory, Lord God, in this dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>